Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Well, welcome to this new episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. Our guest this morning is Bishop Ken Carter of the Florida Conference. He and his wife Pam have been at Lake Junaluska taking a little break, and he agreed to uh, record a show for us while he was here. So it's good to ba- have you back here in Western North Carolina. Thank you, Mike. It's wonderful to be back. So, um, this morning I thought we'd talk about fresh expressions because I know you've been working on a paper this summer and I know that this has been on your mind a lot this summer. So, let's uh, get a little background. What is fresh expressions and how did the Florida Conference get involved in this while you've been there? Fresh expressions is a movement that began uh, in the United Kingdom Uh, It began in the Church of England and quickly became ecumenical. The British Methodist Church, uh, at at its origin, became a full partner. Uh, And Fresh Expressions is really about trying to create forms of church in a changing culture for people who are not yet members of any church. Mm, Okay. So I know that um, you've been working on this a little bit in the Florida Conference. This is something that uh, you've told me about on several occasions. So tell me how that took root down there, and how, how did you get involved with it? Well, it really had its origins uh, here in western North Carolina. Uh, I was superintendent here in the mountains for a year and a half and worked closely with John Boggs, who was in the neighboring uh, district. Uh, he was uh, located principally in Asheville. And I remember being invited to a new church development conference in the middle of the summer, and the conference was going to be in Texas. And I remember getting that invitation. We all get these uh, mailings about going to conferences and hearing speakers. And my impulse was, I am not going to want to be leaving the mountains in the middle of the summer to go to the heat of Texas. I hear you. (laughs) Uh, And my additional impulse was, I didn't know how relevant that conference would be to uh, new church development in the seven western mountain counties uh, because often they have a framework of large urban areas, suburban growth, uh, perimeters of cities. And so I didn't actually attend, but John Boggs did, uh, and he heard uh, a speaker, a wonderful woman, a professor named Elaine Heath, uh, I had been reading her book on mysticism and evangelism, and John brought back the Longing for Spring book. And right. he and I sort of tore into that book, and I think you, we, you shared it with us as well. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the beginning of trying to look at an area organically and try to see how new forms of church could spring from the soil of a unique place. And so Florida has been a continuation of that, trying to understand our missional context, which is something I think the people in England uh, did earlier. And really, uh, Fresh Expressions was a response 11 years later to their first major report on new church development, which had been entitled Breaking New Ground. New churches are controversial in England because of their parish system, and we have some of that too. People are very threatened by new churches. Uh, But they were they were sensing a huge cultural shifts and need to reach people in different ways. Okay. Now, it, it's interesting. Uh, you go back into the history of that. So 
um, I guess as civilization goes and uh, the way things are going, the, the church has been in decline in England for a long time. Right. And so 11 years back right. is uh, when they started doing this. So That's right. We're actually in, 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 a, in a growth curve as the United Methodists in the United States today. <laughs> and We haven't quite seen that kind of decline that right. England had. But right. uh, it is fascinating uh, looking back at some of that history and knowing um, some of what was going on in England. And um, I, I just find it fascinating that uh, you know, we're now looking at some of those same kinds of things today. So um, how would you compare uh, some of what Elaine is doing um, and fresh expressions in England? Well, and, uh, and Elaine has been a very uh, valued conversation partner for me and you know anyone who's heard Elaine Heath or read her work has been captivated by her passion for the renewal of the church sure uh and and the mission of god uh there are some parallels and there are some differences okay. uh, i think the parallels have to do with focusing on a neighborhood uh, i've been reading a a book recently by an author who took uh the place where he lived and drew a one mile uh, circle around that place and tried to pay more attention that would be a very interesting exercise for any of us oh, to, take, sure. to take where we live, uh, a one-mile circle around it, and really pay attention to our neighborhoods. I think Elaine Heath has done that. I think Fresh Expressions really tries to look at what's happening and the changing of our neighborhoods. But there is also something in Fresh Expressions that recognizes a different shift, and that is that increasingly uh, the authors say uh, people do not so much live in neighborhoods as in networks. Right. Uh, and that's because of mobility, it's because of information technology, it's because of migration. And so some of the people we may be closest to or have the most in common with may not be the people who live right around us. And yet they're the people we have deep relationships with. Certainly uh, digital technologies is a network. And so in Fresh Expressions, they talk about trying to create forms of church for networks which was very controversial in the beginning in a parish system where mm. you were a part of a parish, but they but they knew intuitively people were not a part of the parishes. Okay. Yeah, and that whole mobility issue, I think of us here in the United States and having traveled overseas, been a lot of places where walking and um, being near a hub of activity is one thing. Uh, the parish system in England is sort of built around that kind of thing. We're not like that at all right. in the United States. Right. And, uh, so uh, I think that is a fascinating thing. But um, we as a church need to think more in terms of who are those nearest us, especially Absolutely. the way that our churches are, you know, were once focused in communities that have now changed. Absolutely. Uh, people can't keep driving in 20 miles to our congregations right. if we want to be effective. Uh, and you know, Lovett Weems uh, has uh, has had the the insight that the most important question a local church can ask is, "Who is my neighbor?" Hmm. Uh, and I think uh, you know, fresh expressions of church uh, is trying to pay attention to who are the neighbors that increasingly we are not in meaningful relationship with. Uh, not a not a self condemnation, but it is really a fresh approach. To try and creative ways to connect uh, with new people in new ways. For sure, and um, yeah, I just got your uh, 
your paper, I guess I, it's in the second draft now. Is that's that right? That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah. and I know that you're working on some of this for some right. uh, talks later in the year. Um, but within your research, uh, you hit uh, some of the Pew Research statistics, and based on uh, your research this summer, tell us a little bit about uh, what what is the data saying about the future of the church in the United States? You know, based on you know just some of the basic uh, data that Pew has come up with. Well, the Pew Research, uh, which was entitled the Pew U.S. Landscape Study, this came out in May. Uh, it really sparked a lot of conversation, especially in social media and oh, face- sure. Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I attended a worship service, and the pastor was talking about the data in a church in Tampa. Uh, and, uh, of course, it was uh, summarized and interpreted in a variety of ways from from persons like from from outlets like Huffington Post to Christianity Today, uh, from different perspectives. But some of the the key insights were that, uh, and some of this is no surprise, that Christian affiliation is declining as a share of the population. So increasingly, the population uh, is not affiliated with Christianity, uh, and that the two groups who are experiencing the most significant decline are the mainline church right. and the Roman Catholic. Church, uh, the historically black churches and his, and evangelical churches are also in decline. Uh, it's just uh, not quite as prominent, uh, and that there's very small growth in faiths other than Christianity, um, but a significant growth among the unaffiliated, um, and then uh, the material goes on from there. Uh, interestingly, we've uh, in in politics, the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of uh, conversation about immigration, about some of the political candidates and what they're saying about immigration. Right. Two-thirds of the persons who immigrate to the United States are Christians. That's amazing. That's an amazing statistic that the people who are coming from the South, uh, especially our Hispanic, Latino brothers and sisters, uh are predominantly Christian, right? Uh, and so uh, this this material is a study, and the church is simply called to assimilate uh, the research and try to respond to it and learn from it. Okay. Well, I I know that we have a lot to to grapple with there. So let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk more with Bishop Carter and fresh expressions. So here's a word from Sally Queen from our conference staff. My name is Sally Queen, and I'm the Associate Director of Ministerial Services. By virtue of our baptism, we are all called into ministry. This call is being faithfully lived out in the communities of Western North Carolina as people of all ages participate in building God's kingdom. Others are responding to God's call to license or ordain ministry by committing to faithfully lead our churches in vitality. All who are called are using their talents and gifts to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build a church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina at our sponsor page on the show's website, umconnect.info. So we're back now with Ken Carter, and 
one of the things that I, I did over the summer was followed your trip to England. A lot of good right. pictures, a lot of interesting information come out of that. So tell us a little bit about uh, that trip that you and a group from uh, Florida took to England this summer. Right. Well, thanks, Mike. Um, well, in reading, I've been reading uh, recently about uh, how discipleship happens, how we learn uh, as Christians, as adults. And uh, one of the theoreticians makes the distinction between information and imitation and immersion. And I'm, I'm a real believer in how we learn by immersion. Uh, we learn by place, by having meals with people, meeting people. So we met some of the leaders and practitioners of the Fresh Expression movement over the last 15 years. And we had a group of, of 10 persons, uh, Audrey Warren, who serves First Miami, what is our convener of our Fresh Expressions team, great young adult pastor. Uh, also, Amy Stewart-Green, who provides administrative assistance uh, to Audrey and is a, also a young pastor. And then we had uh, George Acevedo. Many people know George mm -hmm. across our denomination. He's spoken at annual conferences. Very uh, compelling, prevailing, multi-site pastor, Sue Hopper-Johnson. Uh, a district superintendent uh, recently uh, named the uh, Episcopal nominee from the Florida Conference. Uh, and then our new church development and vitality staff persons, uh, Dan Jackson, Janet Earls. And then we had um, three other persons, uh, Jeff Conklin Miller, who teaches uh, evangelism at uh, Duke Divinity School, mm -hmm. Rob Webb, who directs the rural church division of the Duke Endowment, and Gannon Sims, who... Uh, is with Fresh Expressions U.S. So our group of 10 persons had been doing some reading. We'd had some communication with each other, and we had about eight days of meeting uh, some of the key persons. One was Graham Cray, who really chaired uh, the Archbishop's uh, Commission that produced the basic Fresh Expressions document, the Mission-Shaped Church. Mm. He talked with us about how he navigated that with Rowan Williams, the new Archbishop of Canterbury. And of course, uh, any initiative, if it if it meets resistance from uh, those in authority in the church, uh, it, it's not really going to be what it could be. Right. Uh, and so it was helpful to learn the political side of that and how that related to their understandings of ordained ministry. But we met prayer groups. We met worshiping communities. We met young adults who were starting Fresh Expressions and doing social entrepreneurship. Uh, we met a, a man named Adrian Chatfield, uh, who's been a part of the prayer ministry piece mm. of Fresh Expressions. We met uh, Church of England leaders and British Methodists, and persons who would consider themselves not to be denominational at all. Okay. And I think that was one of the things you uh, pointed out in the paper, that this is very much an ecumenical movement, not so much post-denominational, right. but right. ecumenical in nature. And, right. Uh, so I think you know, it, it gives us... Uh, you know, pause to look at how we are connected in our communities ecumenically and how these fresh expressions or missional communities work. Uh, right. I think my assumption, this is, is what you learned, my assumption was that fresh expressions was something of a post-denominational movement. Uh, I came to see that a better way to describe it is that it is deeply ecumenical. Uh, we sometimes think we're not denominational, we're not say, part of a tradition, but we may be Calvinist, mm. or we may be Wesleyan or Arminian or, or Baptist. Many churches that don't advertise themselves as a kind of church actually are when you peel back the layers. Exactly. Uh, 
and so uh, one of the things we saw was how people from the Church of England are bringing their strengths to this movement, but but more the core strengths of who they are in terms of their daily prayer and being incarnational and the importance of the Eucharist. Uh, for Methodists, that have, would have to do with testimony and being engaged with uh, the outer community and being in small groups. Uh, it's discovering who we are and really claiming that uh, was very helpful. Uh, you know, one of the one of the things I was wanting to learn as well was how uh, fresh expressions relates to these divisions that seem to often be in our churches. Hmm. And in England, interestingly, the divisions in the church in England are not what our divisions often are. In England, they have more to do with whether one is, say, an Anglo-Catholic or an Evangelical or a Charismatic. Those hmm. tend to be the pronounced divisions. And Fresh Expressions has worked very hard not to be siloed into any one of those three things. And I think that was important for our group from Florida. It's important to me as a person who wants to see God use this movement uh, as one of the pathways, not the only one, that it doesn't get sort of situated in any one corner of the church uh, right. uh, and uh, shut off from from the others. Okay. So uh, what were some highlights of uh, that visit to England? What what kinds of things did you see? What kinds of expressions uh, were out there that were interesting to you? You know, one of the most fascinating uh, fresh expressions was this concept uh, which some laity taught us called the Mission Edge. Hmm. Uh, and it was and this was teaching lay people in a highly secular culture how to simply form relationships with persons outside the church. Not with the goal of getting them to come to their church, but simply for the purpose of forming community, having conversations about God, uh, praying together, sharing meals, having a sort of a ritual life together, really forming community in places where there is not a lot of community. And, mm. and, and several, interestingly, several of the people who were working on this concept of Mission Edge uh, had been missionaries. Some of them had been medical missionaries. Uh, and so they had learned how to live as Christians in cultures that were not predominantly church or Christendom kinds of cultures. And so I thought that was really fascinating mm. uh, how you know we can develop relationships with people who are not in the church simply for the sake of uh, enriching their lives, enriching our lives with no great agenda beyond that. Uh, that was very uh, powerful to me, uh, establishing new networks of persons and communities based on kinds of shared interest. Um, I'd, I'd say that was one of the very compelling experiences that we had. Uh, another one was um, the meeting with Adrian Chatfield, who teaches at Cambridge. Uh, and he talked about sort of uh, renewal movements throughout Christian history. Benedict, uh, which helped form the Book of Common Prayer, right. which helped shape Wesley, which helped shape the Great Awakening. And he sees fresh expressions as a sort of, a, he described it as, as, as a river of sort of spiritual renewal, but we're always tapping into those deep underground rivers. Uh, this really is, uh, the hope is that this is a movement of the Holy Spirit uh, and that God is uh, looking for that place where people are open to the movement of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is in the church, but always beyond the church. And that's very Wesleyan. 
the idea that God's prevenient grace goes before us. And as my friend uh, George Acevedo says, we join Jesus in his revolution that's already happening mm-hmm. out there. That's a that's a distinctively Wesleyan orientation. It's not that we take God to people, but that as we are outside the walls of our churches, we recognize where God's already at work. Hmm. Yeah. Now, would you say that a lot of uh, what you experienced was lay-led and that laity were strong in this movement? Uh, Fresh Expressions is a significant lay movement. It is both. Uh, but uh, a part of the appeal to this to me a while back, even in the work in Western North Carolina, but also definitely in Florida, is the whole matter of sustainability, hmm. that uh, we simply are not in a place in the church anymore, and we should not be in a place in the church anymore, where we simply um, channel several hundred thousand dollars to an idea and a person and a kind of a parachute drop. And we say, here's your community, start a church, and we hope in by three years it has 500 people who can be self-sustainable, that you'll build a building, that you'll be the presence of the United Methodist Church there. That is a very unlikely scenario in most communities mm-hmm. across the United States for a variety of reasons. Uh, we simply must look for different missional strategies uh, and and so I think this is very relevant, how we can create smaller faith communities of disciples uh, in the places where people live. Okay. Now, how do you see this trip? Um, and it was a pretty significant group, some very powerful folks within mm-hmm. Florida um, that went with you and immersed yourselves in, in fresh expressions. How do you see this becoming a catalyst in in your work in Florida here in the future? Well, uh, and we're really led by Audrey Warren, our convener. Uh, We have a vision day the end of August. We have several vision days through the year. Uh, They're typically advertised on our website or communicated there. People can take part in them. They're led in collaboration with Fresh Expressions U.S. Mm. Uh, And so people are a part of the vision days. We've extended some micro-grants, very small amounts of money to some of the Fresh expressions that are already emerging. Uh, we have a ministry in a trailer park. We have a ministry in a sex offender village. We have a yoga chapel, uh, and we have some other fresh expressions where um, uh, we're already supporting these persons with training and trying to network them. Again, I can look back and see the work that John Boggs uh, and I were doing, uh, you were doing in Western North Carolina. A few years ago, and that's what we were trying to do with Bryson City and Asheville mm-hmm. and Saluda and Hazel, and I'm leaving some places out. But um, we were trying to network people who, who were really Bryson City, who were really fresh expressions of Christianity in this mountain culture. Right. We're trying to really sometimes almost discover where that's already happening, but then to help it live more fully into fresh expressions. And I'll say, one of the, the the great appeals to me of Fresh Expressions, and the, the people in the Church of England have done us a great service, it's very theologically grounded. Mm. And so one of their uh, one of the core definitions of Fresh Expressions is that they should uh, a mature Fresh Expression should approximate the marks of the church, okay. which are one holy Catholic apostolic. So. Uh, the oneness, for example, means fresh expressions are not parachurch movements. They're not intended to be divisive. 
they are intended to try to help unify the church. Uh, and the, the holiness piece for Methodists, how we can be holiness within our inner lives, but also in our relationships with others. Mm. Uh, and then the Catholic piece is how we can be present in, in the whole world. And uh, and for um, I think for us that means increasingly there are places where we're not present. Mm. You know, you can look at a map of any state and take some of the smaller mainline denominations. I won't name them, but just take any one of them and look at a map of where they're present in their state. And you'll increasingly see large pockets of the state where they're not present. And this is our trajectory as United Methodists. Mm -hmm. We were once really present everywhere. The same was true with Anglicans in the Church of England. Right. And so that's the Catholic piece, how we can be present. And apostolic is the being sent. Uh, And there's something about fresh expressions that... Uh, that questions the uh, come-and-see attitude of a church culture, attractional right. church. Come, if you come on our turf, uh, you'll find us to be wonderful people, and you'll, right. you'll enjoy our church. But it's always our church. It's always our turf. Uh, the Catholic piece, uh, the apostolic piece, excuse me, sends us out exactly. to be the missional church. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a, a few minutes left. Uh, what's on your mind? What what else do you want to talk about in in this show today? Well, um, you know, we're coming to the conclusion of our first four years in Florida. That's it's right. A, it's an extraordinary group of people. We have challenges, uh, but we have great strengths, and we're we're working on those all of that together. Um, one of the uh, the frames of reference that's important to me is a concept uh, I first heard Greg Jones uh, speak of when he talked about over-investing in the young. Mm. Uh, and I think Fresh Expressions is a part of this, uh, how we can create forms of church for next generations, how they can help to do that. They will live into that. And often as I'm sitting with our Fresh Expressions team of 18 to 20 people, I will say, you know, you... You men and women will really uh, shape this in your lifetimes. Right. Uh, but uh, another um, really critical initiative for Florida has been a uh, response to younger clergy debt. Mm. Uh, and it was very exciting at our annual conference in June, which was held at Bethune-Cookman University. We uh, unveiled uh, the fruit of a long process of work among a number of uh, partners, uh, and that was to... Uh, to create, uh, to announce the gift of a $2 million endowment for us uh, entirely for um, retiring the debt of, of uh, deacons and elders ordained in full connection hmm. in our conference. And then the, our foundation, the Florida United Methodist Foundation, contributed an additional $1 million to that. Wow. So each person who was ordained received $5,000. Okay. Uh, And we also have uh, a trajectory where they will work over the next five years in a number of areas, uh, personal finance, teaching about stewardship, uh, leadership, um, living in uh, covenant and community groups. And if they fulfill those criteria, they'll receive another $5,000 toward their seminary debt. Now, the, the average indebtedness for a United Methodist seminary graduate is $48,000. That's which is completely pretty, pretty amazing. amazing. And that creates a lot of anxiety in a mm-hmm. young adult pastor. 
It prohibits them from speaking with integrity about giving when they're in real financial stress. Some persons have no debt. Some persons have approaching six figures of debt. So it really is a crisis, and what we're trying to say to the graduating seminarians, uh, newly ordained, is that we are in this with you. We're not just sending you to a workshop or giving you a counselor, but we want to actually be with you in this and walk with you in this. Mm. I think there's a lot of integrity in that, and this came through the leadership of, uh, of a lot of wonderful people. Wayne Wyatt, who's our clergy excellence person, Mark Becker, who president of our foundation, Dan Johnson chaired the steering committee, and a number of others. So uh, over-investing in the young, um, one other initiative I'll mention is uh, our Young Adult Missional Movement, hmm. which is uh, which began as the idea of rehabbing some of our unused parsonages around our state uh, and creating intentional community for young adults who maybe were between high school and college or college in their work or a, a young adult place. And so we have uh, these young adult missional movement houses uh, in Jacksonville, Orlando, St. Pete. Uh, the the members of these uh, houses, these young adult missional movements um, in Fort Lauderdale is also an area. Uh, they live in community. They have a rule of life. They're engaged with the community. They're a part of a church. They're supported by retreats and by uh, vocational kind of guidance in their next steps. Uh, and uh, really, many young adults kind of find themselves in this place, and it's a longer probably than, than the time you and I were that age. Oh, it's yeah. a longer stretch of time. Uh, and uh, and these were resources we had that we were trying to, again, channel toward young adults. This is not to not to ignore the needs of uh, the retired, the early retired, the later retired, the aging aging baby boomers. Right. Uh, but a part of our calling is to... Uh, help the next generation in their faith development. Sure. Uh, and that's that's uh, sort of crucial for us, I think, as a denomination. And so these are what um, Ronald Heifetz calls uh, their experiments. Right. You know, he says, run a lot of experiments. Now, they're not wild experiments. They're experiments that have, that have been methodically thought through. But these are each uh, strategic experiments that we're working on to try to help the church to be more vital uh, in the next generation. Wow. Well, I want to thank you for your time today, Ken. It's always a pleasure to you know, have you here at the mic. You're, you're actually the only guest that I've talked to twice. So, <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll, uh, that's a, it's a real privilege and grateful for our friendship and, and for the connections between uh, Florida and Western North Carolina. There's, um, some, there's some significant ones. No doubt about it. Well, thanks again, and thanks for listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. The show will be available as a podcast at our Blog Talk page, and it's on iTunes as well, and you can keep up with us on our website, umconnect.info. We'll be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.